Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Time on Sam Hargraves tonight. Sam Edmund in a very busy time of the week, obviously leading up to the grand final. Uh, we'll all just be filling in for him uh, today as I have been for the last couple of weeks. But it's wonderful to have your company. Good evening to you. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can in whatever COVID situation that you find yourself in. Uh, great to have your company. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number to call. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Off the temper text, temper a mattress like no other. Time on, of course, is your say on the news of the day. So, if you've been sitting in the car today, uh, if you've been at work, we've been at home. And you just haven't had a chance to be able to dial that number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 You've just been itching to have your say. Well, now is that time, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And we start off tonight with a little bit of breaking news. So Richmond Footy Club have just put up on their website that as of 2012, David Teague, former Carlton coach, and we've all followed that story. It's been one of the biggest stories of the year, just how his time at Carlton unravelled and the circumstances in which it did. Um, but David Teague will be part of the Richmond coaching staff in 2022. So um, 40 years of age, he'll bolster Damien Hardwick's coaching panel. He's a former best and fairest at Carlton in his playing days. He's been 14 years uh, in the coaching industry as well uh, at 26 years of age with the Northern Bull Ants. He went to West Coast in 2010 and looked after their defence. He went to St Kilda in 2014, to Adelaide in 2015, um, and he was part of the coaching staff at Adelaide that got to the 2017 grand final. Uh, he returned to Carlton, then, of course, was interim coach in uh, 2019 after the club parted ways with Brendan Bolton and then took over officially for the 2020 season um, and was ingloriously dumped uh, by Carlton this year after an external review. Well, it's good to see that good people getting uh, more opportunities. And this was reported before the decision was made uh, about David Teague, well, I'll rephrase that. This was reported before the decision was finally announced with David Teague um, that uh, Richmond were interested in him. I can't remember exactly who broke that story at the time. It might have been Caro on Footy Classified. And uh, given this story has just come to hand, I haven't been able to go back and just search who actually was the person that broke that story. So apologies to them for not being able to give them the accreditation that they deserve. But... Um, the Tigers have released that statement. It's up on their website um, at the moment. Their GM of uh, footy performance, Tim Livingston, said that Teague would be a great addition to the club's coaching department. He said David's a highly skilled and experienced coach who will be of great benefit to our players and his fellow coaches. We're excited to have David on board and welcome him and his family to the Richmond Footy Club. And Teague is quoted as saying he's excited about the fresh start. He says, coaching is my passion and I'm excited by the opportunity to get to work with a new group of players and that a new club. I am looking forward to getting to work this pre-season, embracing the challenge that we all have to climb the Tigers back up the ladder in 2022. It is great 
to be involved. So well done uh, to David Teague. Well done to the Tigers. Uh, and that's uh, a bit of breaking news to start off the show this evening. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. There is more news out of Carlton. Tom Morris is um, reporting today that save for an Alistair Clarkson backflip, that the Carlton job is all but uh, former Brisbane Lions captain, uh, three-time premiership skipper, Brownlow medalist, uh, and current Port Adelaide midfield coach Michael Voss, one of the greats of the game. But uh, Tom Morris from Fox Sports reporting that he's in the box seat and all that would knock him off that is an Alistair Clarkson backflip. Um, Mark's calling in Bacchus Marsh, uh, wants to talk weather. G'day, Mark. Just bear with me while I rattle the phone line around and get you started. Um, here we go. Mark, come on in. You got me, Sammy? Got you there, Mark. Fire away. Mate, just a quickie before what I want to talk about. Mate, you just broke a major story. Oh, Richmond's look. got a succession plan for Hardwick. They brought oh, Teague in. Yeah, now, oh, now. my God, another succession plan. Oh, my God, Richmond fans, what do you think about that? Now, anyway. Now, now. <laughs> anyway. Oh, mate, I just can't believe another succession plan. Anyway. Either, either can I, Mark, given that that's not what I said. And you know well, that. Been there. Well, think about it. Hardwick's been there for like 500 years. He's due. For his, you know, next stage in life. Geez, AFL for credit to AFL coach coming in. Yeah, Mark. Back in Mark. Oh, anyway, mate. What now, were you really let's call, move on. What were you really ringing to call about? All right, now that my heart's slowing down. Geez. Take mate, a breath. The weather, breath. the weather gods, the footy gods, mate. They are dead set. Are they serious or what? If you put the seven-day forecast for Perth up. And then you put a Melbourne's forecast for the next seven days, i.e. grand final week. And with these border closures, oh, you just want to jump on a plane, look at Perth's weather for the next week. Look at grand final day. Look at our grand final day. What, we got 14 degrees and crack. And they're looking at, what, 25, 26 degrees for grand final day? Yeah, 25 Perth. basically for the whole week with perfect sunshine? What yes. have we got? 12 degrees with bloody hail. Yeah, it's been anyway. a bit of David Hale about today, hasn't there? My, my old man oh. sent me a photo. Um, we got a little bit today where I am, um, but my old man sent me a photo in Bendigo. They got absolutely hammered today. So, Mark, the point of the call was to say how good is the weather going to be in Perth for grand final day? Yeah, it was. But when you had me on hold and you brought up Cheeky, I just thought, oh, my God, what a story. You got excited. You got excited. Hey, mate, great to hear you. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Sammy. May the force be with you, son. Yeah, you too. Uh, 1-300-736-736. Tom's in Eildon. Uh, Tom, hello to you. Yeah, g'day, Sammy. How's it going, mate? Uh, very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, excellent. Um, got a couple of things for you tonight. Far there's away. been a bit of talk. Of, uh, there's been a few things, a uh, few people chatting about, like Geelong and their recruiting. I'm just like, it seems curious for me because it seems like they were comparing Geelong and Richmond uh, or a few other clubs, and like it, it seems to me like a difference of philosophy, because Geelong have had like Stewart through the rookie draft, if I'm correct, Tim Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, like Brad Close, guys like that, and like uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Kelly and I know Stewart, but I'm, I think Kelly as well were both recruited from from like the Geelong, the Geelong Country Leagues. Uh, so Kelly, Kelly's, like, a, Kelly's it, a WA uh, lad, 
Um, he got yep. drafted by Geelong. He'd been uh, in the waffle for several years. He was a mature age recruit via the draft. I'm fairly sure yep. it was the regular draft, not the preseason, but I'll not the rookie, but I'll, I'll double check that. Could have been, uh, no, but I'll just. That's all right. Like, well, it sort of goes on my point, really, because like they recruit players from, like you say, the waffle. Um, Close, he was at the SANFL level, and it just seems like a difference of philosophy and something that's. I, I think it's definitely worked for them in the past and something that they could probably hang their hat on high. And if not for Kelly wanting to go back to WA, they could have had a really, really strong and tough roster to sort of work with. Um, um, and just my second uh, point tonight, um, on the Channel 7, like their commentary team, it looks like BT and... James Brayshaw are going to be commentating this weekend. Like, I like them. I like them as radio commentators, though. And after listening to the... Watching the Melbourne-Geelong game last Friday night, I just think someone like Jason Bennett, and even, like, I was watching the Glenelg uh, Sandful semi-final on Saturday night. Someone like John Casey, like, two professional, like, uh, career commentators... Just someone like like their insight in the game, like watching sports uh, like overseas and that, they seem to be like the more sort of um, insightful and like they, they break down of the game and their commentary skills are really good. I just think like, like I like JB and, and BT, yeah. but I think they're probably more suited to like FM radio and like that, that style of commentary, if you get what I'm saying. Um, it, it's an interesting one for me, Tom, uh, as as someone who's lucky enough to commentate footy as well. And and the thing about commentary is it's very subjective. Everybody has a style that they like. Everybody has a favourite they like. And everybody believes that what they like is what's best. And I absolutely get that. But like all forms of entertainment, it is subjective. So make no mistake about it. BT and JB are two of the very best that do it. Um, the people that run Channel 7 aren't idiots. Um, they, they, they pick... The, the, the best people they believe to, to do that job. And, and, and those guys have just decades, decades of experience as play-by-play callers. And they're in the best handful uh, in the country without, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the idea, and, and, and whilst, and, and people's styles are often very different in the way that they commentate. Some like to have a little bit more fun. Others like to be very much straight down the line. Others like to roll in elements of analysis to their own play-by-play. Um, and, and it's all very much defined by the organisation on what they expect from uh, their play-by-play commentators. So um, normally in how it would be structured is that your play-by-play guys just call the ball and then it's 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 your experts. So it's your Wayne Carey's, it's your Daisy Pierce's, uh, it's your Luke Hodges that are going to be part of that coverage. That are that they're the ones that are supposed to give the analysis. And the play-by-play guys are there to bring those um, analysts in to ask them the questions, to uncover, you know, the the how and the why. Where the commentator is supposed to do the what. But um, absolutely respect your opinion, and and everybody's got them when it comes to commentary because it is such a subjective thing. It's you know, it's like anything. It's it's like stand-up comedy. What do you find funny as opposed to what do I find funny? And it's um, if you look at Twitter, Tom, it is <laughs> for some reason it's something that gets debated about. Really, it's very heated. The the Twitter debates about who should be commentating what and who's the best commentators uh, and who's not. But but I appreciate your call. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I sit in the camp that, that believes and we're, and look, I'm lucky that. 
I get to listen on SEN to the, the two guys that won the awards this year. Jared Waitley won Best Radio Caller for, for his work on SEN and Anthony Hudson, who calls with Jared, and you'll hear him calling the grand final with Jared. Um, Anthony Hudson was this year awarded in the AFL Media Awards as the best TV commentator. And um, as I say, those two guys as well would be in those handful that I think, in my opinion, are, are, are the best in the game. So, um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. It is absolutely subjective. But I can guarantee you this, on grand final day, like they have done every time they've done it, um, and whether you're listening to us or, or, or watching it on TV, the people that get selected on grand final day are selected because they are the best at their organisation, that's for sure. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll come back uh, and keep taking your calls. Alan in Bentley, ready and raring to go. Now, a couple other things that are making news today as well. Sorry, just getting the desk sorted here. Uh, and the, the whole reaction to Ollie Wines, um, what a phenomenal and deserving winner of the Brownline medal. Equal record number of votes, 36. He equaled Dusty in 2017. Incredible count. was really well done by Channel 7. Um, really well done by the guys on SEN too. Uh, Cam Luke and Michael Barlow last night. And there's a heap of stories in and around it. So we'll bring you the reaction. We'll bring you the reaction to Ollie Wines' history-making Brownlow, the first ever Port Adelaide player to win it. We'll do that on the other side of this and keep going through the news of the day. one 736 to have your say on the news of the day. It's the end. Welcome back to Time On. Uh, sorry, I'm just laughing. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a silly thing, but uh, we just uh, haven't got the right... Uh, Little bits that are supposed to come in and out of the breaks on there, but we'll get that fixed uh, in just a moment. Hey, uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number to call zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Before we just go through, uh, Ollie Wines was on the station today speaking to Jared Waitley after becoming Port Adelaide's very first Brownlow medalist. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment, and just some of the reaction across the day uh, to him winning. There's a, a couple of people that have uh, given us a call. Tommy in South Australia is a passionate Blues man. Hello, mate. Yeah, how you going, Sam? Good, mate. What have you got for me? Well, Sam, I just want to... Look, let me have my say. I won't be long. But no due respect, Sam. Carlton come to realisation, I come... And to the President's credit, that stuffed up the 20 years. Right? Now, now, no due respect, Sam. Let me have my say, all right? Then you can talk. Now, you've gone on about... I've heard... I've been listening to you back to you... I've got no crimes about TG, no disrespect. But you know what the honest thing is? Sam, I don't think he would be a head coach again. Let me have my say. But no disrespect, Sam. Tom, I haven't interrupted you once. You're absolutely uh, having your say. Fire away. Jump in, fire away. Sam, all right. Bolton, no disrespect. Not everyone makes a coach. And things, Lee Teague will be a good assistant coach. But he's not a head coach. Now, whether Ross Maxwell or not, I don't know. The best thing they've done is got Brian Cook. And I think from near on, the whole club said, this guy will make decisions. And about time, because they've been in the wilderness for 20 odd years, I agree. Now, you've been calling on about Carlton's on the dirty on TV. You have, Sam. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sam, I've got no comments about TV, but he's probably not a coach, mate. And, and playing players out of position, like, like Stocker and like Sir Prejudicing, Sam, he's done a lot of things. He's probably a good assistant coach, 
But I'll be listening to you. It, it comes across that Carl's done the dirty on TV. No, they haven't. All right? And they have to be having a hard decision. Now, you can have your say. But Sam, I think you're a bit out of line. Tommy, do you feel like I've do, do, do you feel like I've let you have your say? Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, but I've been listening to you. Be, you seem to think we're doing the dirt on Tegi. They've been harsh on it. But Sam, the realisation, a few other supporters might think, he's not, he's not a coach, mate. He's a good assistant coach. But Sam, no, even much as a coach. And Bolton's the same. He will, he will, he will never get a... Oh, he's going to Collingwood. He won't get a coach and go. There's nothing against the guys, Sam. But they're probably not head coaches. All right, we'll wait and see. Oh, Tommy, thank you very much for the call. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I've made my feelings on the Carlton's, uh, and in air quotes, process uh, pretty clear on what I think they did. I think that the way that they treated David Teague was pretty bloody ordinary uh, in the end of it. Um, how the, 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 the way you get to a destination doesn't always excuse the end result. Um, but hopefully for Carlton fans, uh, that this is the start of better decisions being made Better processes being put in place uh, and better results for the fans. Because at the end of the day, that's where I often go to. It's, it's, it's If the fans get finally something to be excited about and happy about uh, and their club's not looking um, like a, a, a sort of, you know, a, a ship that's run ashore because nobody seems to really have the rudder aimed in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, without getting stuck on the past for Carlton, let's look ahead to the future. And at the moment, their future is Brian Cook coming in as a CEO and whether or not they get Clarkson, they still seem to think they're a chance. And Tom Morris reporting today that Michael Voss very much in the box seat to claim that job, which I think would be a great appointment for the Carlton Football Club. So, Tommy, I hope you feel like you've had your say, mate, and I appreciate the call. one three hundred. 736 736 uh, is the number. Um, before we get on to uh, Ollie Wines today with Jerry Waitley, uh, Alan's in Bentley. G'day, Alan. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Listen, I've never spoke to you before, mate. I am normally try and get on in the mornings with some of the other boys, but I've, I've got to hold you to account, mate. Like, honestly, wow, we. Um, you're talking up Brayshaw and BT, or you're saying. Um, play-by-play calls. Brayshaw is the worst football caller in this country. He has no play-by-play skills whatsoever. To call a kick a ball, is he still playing cricket? I mean, seriously, if you ran a if you ran a a, um, a poll as to who you want commentating this grand final, I guarantee you, James Brayshaw is absolutely nowhere near the top. In, um, in, in my your, mind, in, in your opinion, Alan. In, in my opinion, well, I'd, I'd be happy for you to do a, a poll because honestly, I think the two of them together are absolutely disgraceful. I've got and a suggestion for you, to Alan. I've got a suggestion for you. Yep. Just turn down the volume and put on SEN, mate. Well, no, because it's not it's not live because they. Well, I've tried that when you try and coincide a live football game. The, the 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 time there's a there's a three to five second time difference, yeah. and you don't get the right call. If you Google and it, just, Alan, it'll it'll show you how to do it. it it'll show you how to do it. Right. Look, I'm absolutely for everybody having their opinions on who they like and who they don't like. But as for getting on and just let's bag people for the sake of bagging them who are just trying to do their job. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that. It's all subjective, as I said, Alan. You've got your view on it. I've got mine. 
you know, I, I look at it from the point of view of someone who actually does that job as a play-by-play commentator. And, um, yeah, I'm, and I'm not really in the business of trying to bag other guys that are doing that, especially not guys who have done it at the high level uh, that, that those two have for, for many, many, many years. Uh, there's a reason they keep getting jobs. It's not a fluke. Um, but I, I appreciate your thoughts nonetheless. Alan, anything else you wanted to discuss before we jump through to something else? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, when are, when are SEN going to jump on board and start having something to say about the incessant gambling adverts on TV and radio? That's all. Uh, Alan, thanks very much for the call. I mean, that's... Yeah, wrapping up another can of worms there. It's not illegal. So, yeah, that's uh, th- those people have the right to, to be able to advertise. Um, and that's... That's pretty much all I'll say on that one as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Can we speak about some footy? Let's go to Gavin in Packenham. G'day, Gav. G'day, g'day Sam. How you going? Really well, thanks. I um, just wanted to speak about the Brownlow. Like, um, it's been spoken about before, obviously, but just how it's a um, midfielder's award. Um, it would... I've, I, I honestly think in some ways it needs to be revamped where the umpires can sit after a game and instead of this 3-2-1 bizzo they, where they're going to go three, three Bonapelli, two McRae and one to another midfielder or maybe another side, they say, let's, let's give um, three votes to the best backman, three votes to the best forward and three votes to... Um, say a ruckman or something along those lines, and come the end of the come the end of the uh, the night, we might have the situation where we've got a Dylan Grimes or some some backman is head to head in the last game who kept kept someone to zero goals like a Hawkins or something to zero goals could win a Brownlow, a forward who's been good all year like a, a McKay could win a Brownlow instead of it just being all midfielders. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Gavin? And and it's something that's been discussed throughout the course of the day. Jerry Whateley uh, did an editorial on it today about it really reflecting the sign of the times. And, I, and I'm curious to, to know, whether, and I think it's because as we get better at analysing the game, we're, we're, we have the experts that, that, that look at the game and, and are telling us week in, week out that these games are often won or lost in the midfield. It starts and stops in the midfield. We've all heard that expression before, haven't we? Um, and, and I think that becomes part of... The, the consciousness in and around footy. And I'm not surprised that that pervades the consciousness of the umpires as well because we're, we're, we've got the, the, the most respected voices in the game, no matter who you listen to or watch, saying it all starts and stops in the midfield. And that's, that's correct. So over time, we've just seen that, and, and this year is probably the most glaring example that we've seen, and it might even get worse next year as well. Um, or not worse, I shouldn't say worse, because that's a matter of interpretation. But you're right in the fact that it is now, without a shadow of a doubt, a midfield a midfielder's award. So there was only uh, of the top thirty vote getters in the Brownlow last night. Max Gorn and yep, Ruckman are midfielders. I get that, but he was the only person not an out and out on baller that was in the top thirty. Yep, mid, I know Ruckman are classified as part of the midfield, but I think you get my point. The 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 next closest nine votes was Tex Walker. So there wasn't a key forward, a forward or a defender in the top 30. So there certainly is a, a real skew that's gone. And whether or not that's that we need to change the Brownlow or whether or not we need to have a look at are we, you know, is there another award that we can bring in? Yep, the Coleman is there for the most goals kicked, but even that, I don't know if it does a full service to, 
you know, we've seen Coleman medalists not make the All-Australian team before. You know, does kicking the most goals automatically make you the best forward in modern footy when there's tackles inside 50, goal assists, um, you know, marks inside 50, contested marks? There's a whole lot of other things that we have a look at uh, in terms of that. So it's an interesting one that you, you bring up, Gav, and, and certainly it, it seems to be every year we get more and more skewed and now it's just a total you know, midfield, it is just totally without a shadow of a doubt for the midfielders. I, I cannot see a circumstance in which we'd ever see anyone other than a midfielder winning. I mean, people have made examples. People have spoken about it to, today. Um, and I'll play you um, what Gary Lyon and, and Tim Watson had to say about it this morning. Stephen May, one vote. Jake Lever, Lever, five votes. Sam Taylor, the man that we were lauding for his job uh, on, I think it was Tommy Hawkins, no votes. Alex Keith, no votes. Jordan Ridley, three. Jacob Wiedering, one. Liam Jones, one. Christian Salem, one. Right, yeah, but they don't vote. They don't vote. They don't get well, votes. Tim, don't it's a brown line. It's all good and well for you as a midfielder. What about these poor buggers? Why can't they ever get the chance to win the brown line? Well, because they... If, oh, let's not have this conversation. No, let's have it. No, let's not have this conversation. No, let's have it. No, because they don't win the... They don't win the... The coaches don't even acknowledge them in their own coaches' award. Set for the same reason. They game that we all sat there on a Friday night and said that is as good a defensive game as we've ever seen against one of the great mid... Uh, the great forwards in recent history. Like, just mm. smash Tom Hawkins. Too hard for the umpires under the heat of battle. Well, to OK, then we've got to maybe talk the Brownlow down then. No, don't talk it down at all. No, don't. Not today. Don't talk it down. Not today. Not today. But anyway, that's just the way it is. It is um, absolutely a midfielder's award. We have to accept that. Well, we accept it, Tim, and I know today's not the day to do it. No, I don't do it Talk down Ollie Wines because I love the boy and I love what he did. So that was Gary and Tim speaking about it this morning. I'll play what Jared Waitley had to say about it a little earlier and I want to keep taking your calls. one three hundred seven three six. 736 is the number. Roy in Templestowe, Craig in Mornington, Muzzer in Geelong. We'll get to you on the other side of this. Time on your sailor news of the day. This is a feisty old night. I wasn't really expecting uh, some of these. When I came in, uh, I thought we'd be uh, maybe celebrating and reveling in a history-making Brownlow or getting excited about what's ahead this week. And uh, that's okay. You're allowed to send through what's on your mind. There's a few people sending through uh, a whole lot of stuff about the, uh, about a topic that was brought up before about the advertising, I don't, none of those decisions are mine. So texting through to me now, understand that if you if that's an issue for you and totally respect that, but texting me now, it, it, I mean, I don't know if that helps your cause. It, it, it's so far above my pay grade that, and I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it's absolutely nothing to do with me. Um, so... If you wouldn't mind, I understand those concerns and I understand that level of commentary uh, about the issue, but that's it's at the moment it's clogging up a, a, a bit of the feed and there's nothing I can do to, to help you in that space. Um, so I'm not trying to ignore your texts. I'm not trying to be dismissive of them. Anyway, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Craig's in Mornington. G'day, Craig. Hey Sam, how you going? Uh, good, thank you. Yourself. Um, just let me speak a second. Go for uh, it. Sorry, I, I had to say that. Um, mate, <laughs> I know there's all these people calling it the Midfielders Award, but the reality is the award goes to the bloke that gets the footy the most, right? Just like the NFL and the quarterback. You know, he gets the footy the most. He sets up the forwards. You know, he's the guy that's getting the footy the most. He should get the most votes. So it's, not, it's not the Midfielders Award. It's the bloke that gets the footy the most. That's the game. 
It's uh, uh, there's an element of that that I would agree with, but I think Tom Mitchell. Uh, I'm looking back on the trend of the winners. And I think there's got to be a bit of... There's a bit of a mixture. I mean, Lockie Neal was an accumulator, but in his Brownlow year, he added the goal-kicking to to the... He added the goal-kicking element to his game, so it became more dangerous. Tom Mitchell is an out-and-out accumulator, um, but it was just sheer weight of numbers that year. I, I, I think... I think the I think there's a bit of a combination of yes you've got to be a ball winner Craig but you also and yep. and this is a guy called Sean Brady who's a bit of a, a Brownlow Medal expert um, analyst he believes that, that that what really catches the eye is the breakaway from stoppage so if you, yes you accumulate but if you're someone who takes it away from the stoppage run and, and deliver then that that has a uh, that seems to make more of an imprint when he looks back and over the the track record of voting. So I think there's a bit of that, you're right, about numbers, but it's also the way in which they get them and, and, and what they do with it. Yeah, but they're all over the ground, whereas the uh, defender and the forward just stay in the same spot. What's that, sorry? But they're all over the ground, though. The defender and the forward just stay in the same spot. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm with you. I think that there's a, there's a bit of it, obviously, right under the nose of the umpires, Um and obviously, uh, more involvement more often comes into it. But maybe it's... I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we don't want the game to be f- full stats-driven all the time. There's got to be a feel for it. But maybe we've got to get a little bit better. As we've been able to, through our experts that we have, as we've been able to explain the importance of the midfield and then what categorises uh, a great game in the midfield, maybe we've maybe it's on all of us to be looking to explain a little bit better about what... You know, having a what what three votes for a defender would look like. What, um, you know, what what does three votes for a forward look like um, from from that point of view? Maybe it's just part of the evolution of the game. Maybe there will be a time when it swings back um, to a more evenly, more even playing field. Uh, this is a good point off the text as well, Craig. That McRae had the most footy this year and polled less than half of Bontempelli, which is a great, which is a great. Um, which is a great, um, a great point made. That that was that surprised me that McRae had as little votes as he did. And then the 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 point that probably the one that probably disproves my theory is that Petrarca didn't poll as many votes um, as I thought he would as a as a break from stoppage player, a run uh, and carry player. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Roy in Templestowe. G'day, Roy. G'day, Sammy. How you going, mate? I'm good, mate. You? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. I just wanted to uh, give you a bit of positive feedback from uh, a couple of uh, callers back. I reckon you, you answered very professionally and listening to your commentating is always great. It's a great, uh, great listen to. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. The, the caller wasn't ringing up to criticise me, so, uh, but I appreciate your, your kind words. Thank you. No, that's all right. Um, I just wanted to speak about Ben Cousins last night at the Brownlow. It was really good to see him. Um, he looked very sharp. He looked uh, he looked like he was he was back on his own two feet. And uh, as he, as you know, I'm a passionate Ben Cousins fan and a passionate Eagle. It was very good to see. Uh, yeah, obviously there was a lot of goodwill and 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 good sentiment uh, going out to to Ben Cousins, who was invited as as a as a previous winner uh, of it. So um, I think there's been a lot of people, Roy, that have um, saw it the the same way you did, mate. And uh, and thank you for for making the call. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The actual winner, the actual star of the Brownlow Medal was Ollie Wines. He spoke to Jerry Waitley a little earlier today. Look, this is going to take a while to set, settle in. Probably weeks, probably months. Um, it's incredibly uh, humbling and just a 
obviously know some of the names that won it before me and guys that I still idolise to this day. Um, probably the, the biggest one is Michael Voss, who had a lot to do with me at Port Adelaide being a, a senior assistant. Um, to have my name, I guess, up again next to his and and sort of be similar to um, what he's achieved is, is very special and um, I'm incredibly humbled. So Ollie Wines with Jerry Waitley today. Uh, he, sp- he spoke as well about uh, the, the role of his family and the importance of them. Yeah, no, I've, I've sent them a fair few do- few photos. They've um, they ride the, the waves with me and and everyone involved, um, particularly back in Melbourne over the last eighteen months. This has been their uh, their avenue on the weekends, watching Port and, and barracking for us very hard. So, as much for me as an individual, this is a, a club award, and um, it's for them. Uh, his dad, Tony, was actually on with, with Gary and Tim. He gave them a call and just reflected on uh, when Ollie was drafted and, and what Port have done for him as a person and a player. He settled in. It's taken a while, Tim. Um, there's, uh, you know, there was a lot of tears going back to um, the 2nd of November 2012. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, but he... <laughs> Half past nine in the in the evening when he was drafted, but look, no, he settled in over there. And the Port Adelaide Footy Club, we couldn't ask for anything anything more. They've been exceptional. Oh, it is. Yeah, I did. I, I sort of got a little a little bit teary. Keep this quiet. But um, it, it sort of coming into the last round because I, I, you know, you looked at the numbers and I thought, well. The worst he can, um, worst thing can happen is he can he can come and drop with someone. So, yeah, no, a little a little bit teary. Uh, you guys know, you, you, sort of dads take kids to to their first footy and uh, probably mums as well. But 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 the father's sort of there through the through the process, um, and uh, and and I. I, I I think if you sit back and like reflect a little bit on the journey, yeah, you you do you do think um, that it's uh, well, I suppose all been worthwhile, hasn't it? So that was Tony Wines uh, rang up Gary and Tim a little earlier today. They also had uh, his former coach on uh, Dave Connolly, who's got the Echuca Hotel, who called in. I'll try and get some time to play a bit of that as well. But Ollie himself uh, speaking to Jared Waitley, uh, also just. Just reveal when he knew that he'd won. Oh, probably not till round 22 when when I knew the Bulldogs game was... Um, Marcus wasn't going to poll in that game, so I sort of... I knew it was done and dusted after that. And um, that was probably when it first started to hit me and it, it wasn't until I was on the stage getting presented the medal by Nat Fife that first hit me. And um, as I said at the start, it's probably going to take another few weeks, few months to, to sort of settle in. Yeah, certainly. Um, there were times I sort of had to think if, if it was the right fit for me still and if I needed somewhere else to sort of, um, I guess, find a new lease on, on my career. And it didn't happen, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. I, I love this group. I, I love everything about our football club. Um, we've got full faith in in the list we've got, the, the future we've got over the next five to ten years. So um, to win this award is, um, I guess... Uh, it puts that in perspective and um, really shows that if you put your head down and work hard, something can happen. 
Uh, Ollie Wine speaking to Jared Whiteley a little earlier today. So equal Dusty for the most votes uh, to win, 36 votes in total. And what a count it was. I mean, Bontempelli, the stats have been out today that he would have won all but three vote counts, uh, all, all but three Brownlow counts in the history uh, of the award. And even Clayton Oliver would have won all but six with the amount of votes that they polled. And we've got a lot of text saying, what about Sam Walsh as well? Aaron in uh, Chewett Hill, he loves uh, his blues and uh, he loved Sam Walsh, 21 years of age, uh, coming fourth. Um, a, a fantastic uh, achievement. Uh, it's, he's actually equaled the most votes in account of any blues. So Chris Jardin, obviously Greg Williams, when they won it, he's uh, got the same amount of votes in that coming fourth as they got when they won. So... It is a great story, Ollie Wines. I mean, when you look back, and there was a, a great uh, stat that I saw, I think it was 7AFL put this out earlier today, that in 2019, the skiing injury, and we all, you know, people have got their view on that, about was that the right thing or the wrong thing for him to be doing, but um, the injuries that he, stu- he suffered with that, he only played 12 games in 2019, broken leg, broken thumb, buggered shoulder. Um, pre-season, he lost the captaincy going into last year. They just went with Jonas as a one-out instead of having joint captains. There was all the talk about possibly being traded. And then I think it was even last year or the year before where he was overlooked for selection on a couple of occasions. So he's clearly got himself cherry ripe. He's got himself rock-hard fit. um, And he's had a career-best year. And to go down in history now as the first player at your club um, to win the Brownlow medal in its history is a phenomenal achievement. Um, We're going to speak to his under-18s coach uh, a, a little later on uh, tonight. So um, Dave Hewitt uh, coached him at under-18 level uh, for the Bendigo Pioneers. He and Jake Stringer got taken in the same draft. Stringer went a couple of picks before him, uh, but that was the 2012 draft that Lockie Whitfield went number one. Uh, John O'Rourke and Lockie Plowman all went to the Giants. Jimmy Tumpus went to Melbourne. I think there was a tweet uh, that Tom Morris put out last night that his mum might have said on draft night, well, Melbourne have just given up a Brownlow medalist. Um Stringer and then uh, Jack McRae was in that uh, in that draft ahead of him as well. So congratulations to Ollie Wines. Phenomenal year, uh, sensational vote count, a lot of stories and, and narratives coming out of it. And we might even go through a few more of those uh, in Heroes and Villains a little later on. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Caleb Daniel, uh, we forget, don't we, that there's a grand final this Saturday, by the way. Uh, Caleb Daniel and uh, Tom McDonald have spoken uh, at press conferences for their respective clubs a little earlier today. I'll bring you that and a few other things making news out of Clubland as we continue time on SEN. We had a session today and, and Wednesday and, um, and then Friday as well in, in the captain's run. So I think it's a pretty stock standard sort of week. Uh, just make sure that you know you get get the K's in the legs and, and the skills that you need to get done done and um, yeah I'm sure uh, that'll all get done. We'll have some some skill stuff um, on Wednesday as well. So yeah, really looking forward to, to training today and then um, yeah the, the week week ahead. Caleb Daniel, uh, Western Bulldogs defender, speaking about uh, what the week ahead looks like as we gear up uh, to a grand final on Saturday for the first time at Optus Stadium in Perth. He spoke about Marcus Bontempelli coming second in the Brownlow last night. Yeah, he got close. He obviously had a tremendous year, so um, I wasn't there. Didn't get the invite, so um, I was back home cheering him on with with a lot of the, the crew that stayed back. But yeah, like I said, he had a tremendous year and unfortunately fell a couple of votes short, but um, now nah, we know he's such a great player for us as well. A little bit salty, Caleb Daniel, on not being uh, invited as part of the contingent.
to the Brownlow. I have been told that it can be sometimes quite contentious about who gets who gets uh, the invite and who doesn't. Um, interesting that count, wasn't it, with Marcus Bontempelli? So the last three rounds of the year, the Dogs had losses. So they lost uh, to Port Adelaide. Uh, sorry, they lost to Essendon in round 21. Bontempelli had 34-1. and one. If they had won that, you'd think that might have been a three-voter or a two-voter. Uh, round 22, they lost to Hawthorne. He had 31 in that game. Um, but it was such a... Um, a bad loss. They only managed... Uh, they scored under 40 points, I think. Uh, one of the lowest scores of the year. So you couldn't really give anyone votes from the Western Bulldogs in that game. And in round 23, he had the 15 disposals and one goal and Ollie Wines dominated that game. So interesting that those those three losses, yes, they proved costly in terms of top four, but I wonder... I asked the question without being... Uh, without trying to be disrespectful to anyone or without trying to be mean. Uh, it's just an interesting... It's an interesting thing to ponder, isn't it? What if they won at least one of those games against Essendon or Hawthorne with the output that Bond had? I wonder if we could have had two. Uh, we could have had joint winners um, on the days. And it's interesting, joint winners. We average one every 7.75 years. There's been uh, 12 over the journey joint winners. Um and we haven't had one since 2012 now, obviously with what happened with uh, Joe's Brownlow, that uh, Sam Mitchell and Trent Cotchin, that's the last time that uh, official joint winners have been declared. And we do average them every 7.75 years. So we're due. We are due. And last night was very, very close. A lot of congratulations coming through for Ollie Wines off the text. His speech was fantastic. Um, really humble. Thanked all the right people. Got some help, obviously, from... Uh, Port CEO Chris Davies in, in who to thank and to make sure. But the, the idea that he spoke about that it was a team performance, a team effort, um, that's what it was all about uh, for him. Uh, I thought he spoke really well and should be really proud. We're going to speak to his sister too uh, in uh, in the sporting capital later on tonight, Maddie Wines, who took the video uh, of the, the family just uh, going right off when he was announced the winner. Uh, Tom McDonald from the D's spoke today and on their grand final build-up. I've never done it before, so I don't really know, to be honest, but it's it's definitely a bit more low-key being here. Um, you're not at home with, like, a TV going. Like, I've barely had the TV on in the room, and we don't have the newspaper out every morning to see things. So it's definitely felt a bit more subdued than even it did in Melbourne when we played in 2018 in the prelims. So uh, hopefully that's a good thing. Um, I understand how much everyone's got around the game here, but we're probably not interacting with people as much as you would if you are in Melbourne. So... I think until we really get there on, on the day, it'll still feel a bit subdued. But it was a bit when we got there on the prelim and you realised, geez, there's 60,000 here, that's when it felt like being back to real finals footy. Uh, Tom McDonald at his press conference uh, a little earlier on and he spoke about uh, Saturday's training session. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a good hit out. I'd say we do, you know, eight to nine k's of running for most blokes. With a bit of we have like a high speed requirement that's meant to be like a game. So you sort of get a bit of work in, but nothing quite like playing a game. So just enough to keep going. I think it's about the same as what we did before the Geelong game. So that that worked pretty well. So we stick with that again. So uh, he also confirmed that there's just no way that Charlie Spargo was going to miss that grand final. Uh, he had a little injury, a little ankle concern from that training session, but Tom McDonald saying there's no chance that Charlie Spargo misses the grand final, which is good news. Interesting one out of the Brownlow. So the Swamp thing is one of the only reasons I've still got a Twitter account. Um, I think I've made my views on Twitter well known. But this is a great tweet from him. Another fantastic stat from the best in the business. Last, The last eight winners of the grand final. So the last eight premiership winners all polled less Brownlow votes than their opponents. And 11 out of the last 13 premiership winners as a collective all polled less Brownlow votes. So Melbourne, 96 Brownlow votes. Western Bulldogs, 
85 Brownlow votes. So do with that what you will. It's either We're either due for a change or history's telling a story. Don't want to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. Actually, I do. I do want to throw a cat amongst the pigeons there. Uh, that's it for time on. We'll just uh, change direction. We'll change the signage and we'll be back with the Sporting Capital. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.